Oh gosh, I'm looking up algae and diatoms and dinoflagellates, and wow, I really don't know anything about them. So, if you're a <laughs> diatom, dinoflagellate, or algae expert, I am sorry. Super confusing. <laughs> yeah, this is not something I want to dive into. <laughs> Why is this so funny? You're just like, I'm not touching this with a 10-foot pole. No, I don't want to talk about weird... I don't even know what to call them if they're plants. Eukaryotic organisms? I'm not sure. Okay. You've lost me in every sense of the word. I know. I just feel bad because I did take a class on this and I... Because it was part of invertebrates and I thought it was so boring and I didn't really pay attention. I was just like, get to the multicellular stuff. I want real animals. <laughs> okay, um, I'm just going to apologize now to any of our listeners who are big fans of single-celled organisms. We're sorry, we love you, but maybe we just find other things slightly more interesting. Yes, no, that's true. Welcome to Fauna Facts, a quasi-educational, fully humorous discussion of animal facts you hopefully didn't already know. I'm Grace. And I'm Mads. And today, I wanted to talk about photosynthesis. Is this going to be about animals? Yes! Yeah. Do you think I know anything about plants? No. It's going to be about animals. It's definitely going to be about animals. So, I do know about like some animals, they actually form symbiotic relationships with photosynthetic. No, they're not animals. They're like diatoms. They're like single-celled organisms. Anyway, there's like... You're saying a lot of words right now. Okay. So there's like organisms that are photosynthetic. They're not plants. They're these single-celled protozoans. Are there? Oh, yeah. This isn't even the interesting bit. Speak for yourself. I do not know that of which you speak. Wait, can you give me an example? Maybe I do know. Like, what? Have you heard of diatoms or dinoflagellates? So, they aren't animals because they're only one cell. Animals have to have multiple cells. But they can do photosynthesis. So, they take light energy and then convert it into sugar. Then they use carbon dioxide to do that these things like there's some animals that they they have these living inside them so they can use the sugar that these i don't think they're di dinoflagellates are creating then they give the the, the little single-celled organisms a home and then those organisms also use the animal's waste so like you can find this in corals and jellyfish but there actually are some animals that are they're not quite what you call photosynthetic but they've kind of stolen these plants ability to photosynthesize or not these plants but they've stolen the ability from other other organisms to photosynthesize so like there's a sea slug its species name is Alyssa chlorotica I think it is green 
and they've called this solar-powered sea slug, and it can actually, it doesn't, it, it's like a little sensationalist to call it that, but it eats a lot of algae, it eats a lot of algae, like I think that's all it eats, and so when it eats the algae, this algae is kind of weird because there's not cell walls between its different cells, so this sea slug can just puncture the side of this algae and just suck out all its insides. What? Yeah, so there's like, there's things in plants like called chloroplasts and that's where photosynthesis happens, right? So they can just suck out on the insides and keep those chloroplasts intact and they just keep it in these little protected pockets. And so the algae, the chloroplast just keeps doing photosynthesis and then the sea slug can live off that. Wait. The sea slug can live off the chloroplast. It lives off the products of photosynthesis. So the sugar. Yeah, it lives off the sugar that those chloroplasts is making. But, but like, how does the chloroplast stay, I guess, not alive, but, like, functional? That's a good question. <laughs> so <laughs> people have been looking into that. Because at first, they're like, okay, it's not actually doing photosynthesis. The slug is just digesting these chloroplasts really, really slowly, like for nine months, because that's how long these chloroplasts can actually last in the sl sea slug. But then they did some work looking at what genes were being turned on. And so, you know, when I talked about corals and jellyfish have a symbiotic relationship, so they have a symbiotic relationship with these photosynthetic or organisms. The sea slug also turns on the same genes that you find in corals. So they're like, oh, so maybe it's not digesting it. They also keep their body from digesting it. But there are a bunch of things that they don't know why this happens. Like the processes of cells are controlled by the nucleus and they digest the nucleus <laughs> that controls these chloroplasts. So they don't know how this is happening. They just know it happens. Whoa. <laughs> it's really weird. It's a really pretty sea slug, though. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's not like the really colorful ones. It's just green. But, I don't know, I think it's pretty. I mean, sea slugs generally are. Yeah. It just looks like a big, really pretty lettuce leaf, kind of. Do you want to hear about the other, the other maybe photosynthetic animals? Slightly so photosynthetic animals? You know I do. Okay, so the other one I'm going to talk about is the spotted salamander. So this is a pretty common animal in North America. They're those pretty, I don't know, I guess, I think they're pretty big. They're like four inches. They're black and they have yellow spots. And they've known for over a hundred years that algae grows on their eggs. So salamander eggs, they're, they look like frog eggs. They're kind of gelatinous. But they, what they didn't realize until recently was actually the algae is inside the egg. What? And actually the algae is not just inside the egg, it's inside the embryo. What? Yeah. And they're like, that's really weird. So this is the first time that a vertebrate has this symbiotic relationship with algae or with, I guess, a photosynthetic organism. Actually, not just algae. 
and it might not be symbiotic. So when you have a symbiotic relationship, kind of implies that both parties are benefiting. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) from what they've looked at, it seems like the algae is just super stressed out. It's not a good environment for it. And the salamander embryo is actually, it uses the sugars that the algae is giving off. It's suppressing its immune system, so it doesn't just totally obliterate the algae. But the algae's probably not very happy. So they're trying to figure out why the algae is even there if, and what it's getting out of it, if anything. Whoa. So it's kind of weird to look at this egg, and then it's green, and there's this little baby salamander in there. Wait, but how does the algae get in there? That's a good question. I don't know. I, I'm assuming, I mean, hmm. Like, I mean, post-egg laying, or no? I guess it can transfer oxygen in and out. I think it can transfer water in and out of the egg. So maybe algae can get in and out? Hmm. So, I mean, the only reason we don't have things growing inside of us is we have pretty good immune systems that keep them out, right? Skin helps, but... (laughs) But you're breathing stuff in, you're eating it! Right, but not when you're a fetus. That's true. I thought that's what you meant. I was like, no algae is getting in. Oh, no, no. Unless your mom's eating a ton of algae, but then her, her system's destroying it. That's a good question. I don't know. I didn't even think about that. <sighs> I don't know how to answer that. That's okay. This is why this is why it's nice to have somebody who knows things with somebody who doesn't know things because I ask the questions that you might not think to ask. That's true. Patting myself on the back, I guess not what I was trying to do, but <laughs> good job. Good job. Okay. And the last one is an insect. I swear I didn't know about the insect first. (laughs) I found out about the insect example last, but I was going to include it. Please. Aphids, specifically pea aphids, and I guess this is an insect, but it's a two-spotted spider mite. They're called spider mites because they spin webs. I mean, they don't spin webs, they just make like this webbing over things, over your crops that they're eating. They're a big pest. Gross. So, yeah, they study these things and pest insects. So these guys, they don't actually know if it's photosynthesis, but it's weird enough, and they're getting some kind of energy from the sun. So they create this compound called carotenoid, which is weird because usually only photosynthetic things like plants and algaes make it. So that's what you want to eat to improve your vision, right? If you've heard of beta carotene or something like that. So these pea aphids, they can make it. And you can see which ones have more carotenoids because they're this bright green. And then the ones that don't have it are white. And the ones in the middle are orange. And so they found that the ones that have the most carotenoids have the most ATP. So ATP is you break down sugar to create this molecule that powers all the processes in the body. That's the currency of energy in the body is ATP. So if you have a lot of ATP, you have a lot of energy. So the PA fids with a lot of carotenoids 
have a lot of ATP. The aphids that don't have a lot of carotenoids don't have as much ATP. And then the ones in the middle, they stop making ATP when you turn off the light. What? Yeah, so if you turn off the light, their ATP levels drop, I should say. That's more accurate. So it's kind of weird. They don't know what's going on or why these things that eat a lot of sugar anyway and actually get rid of a lot of sugar, like get rid of it as waste because they have way too much, why they need to make more or so why they're even doing this. So that's, yeah, another unsolved mystery. Can you explain that again? They're making all of this, but they're waste. They're not using it. Yeah. Well, um, have you heard of honeydew? Like aphids produce this substance called honeydew. Is this gonna be gross? No, I don't know. I mean, it's just like they kind of pee out a bunch of sugar. Ugh. Yep. Okay, I didn't think it was that gross. <laughs> it's just like the thought of like bug pee all over your over your food. You know, it's just like ugh. All right. Okay, if you have ever been parked your car under a tree and then it's sticky and it gets moldy and you're like, where did all this sticky, moldy stuff come from? That's probably honeydew and the aphids living in that tree. All right. Because it's happened to me and I could not figure out why. And then my boss, who was an entomologist, was like, look at all those aphids. (laughs) Put all that honeydew on your car. And I was like, ugh. Your life is just completely different from mine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I had to think about aphids doing that to my car. You have to worry about pigeons. And subway rats. Yeah, exactly. You're right. You know what? Potato patata or something. Right, exactly. Aphids. Pigeons of Nebraska. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) That's so dumb. (laughs) Well, that's all I have. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. No, no. That, like, went really down into maybe too much molecular stuff for me. No. It's cool. It's nice to know that you're still human and there's plenty of things you don't know that are science-y, I should say. Yeah. Molecular stuff's a little hard for me. Also, algae, too, apparently. (laughs) So, I have a story. It's, like, kind of short, but you had a lot to say today, so I think... That's fine. So this is based on an article that my father sent me. Thank you, Dad. Just like I was saying, people sending me things all the time. And have you ever heard of this scientist named Dr. David Who? No. Wait, so he's Dr. Who? (laughs) That's all I could think of when I heard his name. I truly didn't think about that because it's spelled H-U, so oh, I never said it out loud until just now. Oh, and so I, I see. Yeah. So the story is he had he was changing his baby son's diaper, and then his son, as babies do, peed all over the front of his shirt for. A full 21 seconds and Doctor Who knows this because he is just a very curious person he's kind of like I think not stereotypical of what a scientist is but what a scientist should be where something happens and he goes why and then actually tries to figure it out 
So he timed it. He, had he timed time it. it. He timed it. He counted it. And he was like, wow, 21 seconds. That's a really long time for a small baby. How long does it take for an adult to empty their bladder? So then he timed himself and it was 23 seconds. And he was like, wow. So my son basically urinates like an adult already. That's kind of weird. <laughs> Obviously, that didn't make sense to him that a grown person, also known as an adult, and a baby would have about the same urination time. So he sent out some students to time urination in all of the animals at the Atlanta Zoo. Oh my gosh. I was wondering where this is going. Going in a great direction. The situation became a lot more puzzling. So most mammals took between 10 and 30 seconds with an average of 21 seconds, which, as you'll recall, was the amount of time it took for his baby son to pee. Side note, small animals do things differently. You can, like, read the whole study of it, but I'll just get to the point of it, which is that the key to all of this is the urethra that enhanced the effect of gravity. So even a small amount of fluid in a narrow pipe can develop really high pressure. Basically, what's interesting about the urethra is that its proportions, length to diameter, stay roughly the same no matter the size of the animal, as long as it weighs more than like six pounds. Which means that on average... All of these animals are peeing for about 21 seconds. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you'd think like an elephant or something would pee longer. Nope. Wow. Honestly, it's a mystery at this point. So you would think then that this 21 seconds would be evolutionarily important. But who knows? Like why? Why is this the case? Yeah, just because it's there doesn't mean it's good for something. I mean, we like to think that, but wow, that's so weird. He does a lot of really weird studies about animals, um, one of which I want you to talk about another date, which I will send to you, and maybe you already know about it because it has to do with ants. But I think the funniest part of all of this is that he is a little, he's a little odd. He gets drawn to do these really in-depth studies on something as simple as like his son peeing on him and hilariously... Senator Jeff Flake, he put three of Doctor Who's research projects on a list of the 20 most wasteful federally funded scientific studies. Oh my gosh, I can do a podcast next time. If you want to hear about duck sex, I can talk about that next time. And why it's not wasteful. You should be studying duck sex. Yeah, well, his argument, Doctor Who's argument is that None of his things are wasteful. Um, he has a TED talk about it. I haven't had the chance to watch it yet, but I think it'll be very cool. I'll send it to you. About why these things aren't wasteful and why they're important. And in the, this case with the urination time, he thinks that it could be a useful principle in how to effectively drain a container of fluid. So that could help designers of water towers, water backpacks, storage containers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it actually could have a much farther impact than just animals taking a wee. Yeah, of course. That's really interesting. I guess it doesn't matter how big the tank is. It's just what leads out that matters. 
Yes, I think that is the takeaway. I don't understand how you could get grossed out by aphids releasing honeydew, and you tell me a story about a man timing how long his son is peeing on him. Okay, here's my thing. I just think (laughs) if you're going to call it anything, call it what it is, and calling it honeydew is like this gross euphemism that just sounds... It's the scientific name. It's not it's not scientific. It's honeydew. That's like the name of a fruit and it's like sugary pea. It's literally a euphemism for sugary pea. It's it's <laughs> it's is scientific. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> what to say to that? I should just spite you and do my next one on honeydew. Listen. Talk about all the animals that do it. I didn't say it was like the worst thing ever and never talk about it again. I just said it's a little gross because whenever I think about, you know, you're walking around in the world and all of the poop and pee that you're just touching constantly. Yeah, I think I get a little, I'm like, oh no, that's sad. I also recognize that I live in New York City, so whatever you do, I am definitely doing dirtier things, just inherently. Yeah, okay. But I did not know that would bother you. I'm sorry. That's too, that's too (laughs) strong. I'm sorry it, I'm actually not sorry, so. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, you want to call it a day? Yeah, let's call it a day. Alright, so for visuals of well i don't know what we'll like actually have for visuals for this i i won't put an aphid vi- well maybe no honeydew i promise oh you're talking about the pee i am talking about the pee i'm sure wikimedia commons has plenty of pictures you can look up on your own time <laughs> on animals urinating yes anyway So, if you want to check out our visuals that we will post, you can find us on Instagram at FaunaFactsPodcast. If you don't use Instagram or prefer not to, you can find us on FaunaFacts.blogspot.com. And on whatever podcast app you're using to listen to this, please remember to rate us. Five stars, you know. Subscribe. You can write a review if you feel so inclined. And if you want to give us some animal facts, you can tell us in person or you can write us an email at faunafactspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.